Well, good morning, everyone. Um, hey, I'd like to begin this morning with a pop quiz. Didn't you love pop quizzes? Uh, it's just a one uh, kind of question quiz, but uh, here's the quiz. The Gallup poll says 90% of all Americans say they do this weekly. Exercise, drive a car, pick their nose, or none of the above, okay? So what I'd like you to do right now is turn to the person beside you, and you give the answer that you think, okay? A, B, C, or D. So go ahead. Check it out. Okay. Now, the correct answer is D, none of the above. However, C, picking their nose, 89% of all Americans... Pick their nose weekly. So I'd like you to look down your aisle right now, okay? Guess what? There's some nose pickers in this auditorium, okay? We know who you are. Um, well, like I said, it was only 89% of uh, all Americans pick their nose weekly, but 90% of all Americans do this, and that is they pray. They actually spend time in prayer weekly. Nine out of ten Americans. But I want to ask you the question this morning. Have you ever felt dissatisfied with your prayer life before? Have you ever felt like you weren't praying enough or you weren't praying the right words or you weren't sure what to pray? Or when you prayed, there seemed like there weren't any answers to that. Have you ever struggled with prayer? Well, if your answer to those is yes, I have had that struggle before, then you're in the right place this morning. But if you are here today and prayer comes very easily to you and you never have your mind wander off when you're praying, uh, every time someone cuts you off in traffic, you actually pray a prayer of blessing on them with all five fingers, okay? Um, if you just have this tendency where you pray like a Jedi warrior when it comes to prayer, then this is going to be a boring sermon for you, okay? But if you've ever struggled with prayer or how God answers prayer, then you've come to the right place. I mean, it's amazing to me that prayer is like such an exhilarating, powerful thing to watch happen, and yet on the same light, sometimes it can be one of the most confusing things that we experience in life. And this kind of leads us, though, to our big idea this morning, and it's this, that to be human is to pray. Uh, you can feel this in your program or on our JAR app, but it is true. To be human is to pray. Nine out of ten Americans, people are praying. I mean, it's in moments of great joy, it's in moments of sadness, in moments of struggle, in moments of your problems, in moments of fear... Every human being that I know actually goes to someone or to something, and we can't help but pray. So it's very true. To be human, folks, is to pray. And yet, have you ever wondered, why is prayer so complicated? Why does it feel like sometimes there are certain rules within prayer, and I'm just not doing it the right way? Have you ever thought, maybe I'm just not as focused as I should be? 
Well, today I want us to look at the greatest and the grandest prayer that was ever prayed in the history of the world, the Lord's Prayer. For over 2,000 years, people have prayed this prayer in multiple languages and multiple ways over and over again. And one of my big challenges for every single one of you is to pray this prayer each day this week. You might pray the prayer when you wake up in the morning. Uh, I have a friend of mine that would take his toothbrush. He puts it underneath uh, his bed. And when he wakes up in the morning, he has to get on his knees and he says the Lord's Prayer. Our family this week has, have been saying the Lord's Prayer at dinner and uh, trying to be able to do that. So my challenge for all of you is to pray this this week. And allow the prayer to just absorb uh, your mind, your heart, your being. Let it just kind of consume who you are. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is go through the different phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And this is how Jesus starts it. He says this, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now, this reminds us that prayer is not the same thing as worrying out loud. Okay? And many times, that's what it may seem like. We just are spewing out all kinds of worries. That's not what prayer is. Rather, when you go to prayer, you are actually addressing the God of the universe. You know, any time that I'm talking to someone or texting someone, I, I address them. I don't start it out by saying, hey, you, you know, I actually have a name for them. And for some of us, uh, if we have a real intimate relationship with someone, we may actually have a very endearing name. We may have a private name that we use for the person. Now, last week was uh, Valentine's, and uh, during Valentine's, what you'll find is many people will send gifts to one another, and they'll sign their name or they'll address the person in a very private kind of loving kind of name. And uh, for me, one of the most embarrassing things in life is having to call the florist and you actually have to tell them what you want on the card. And for me, it's always quite overwhelming to do it. I don't mind making the call. I don't mind telling them what kind of flowers that I want. I don't even mind paying for the bill. The thing that I don't like at all is having to tell them what to write on the card. In fact, some of the words I don't even mind sharing, but there are some words that I really struggle to share, and especially when it's the private name that I kind of have for my wife. You see, I love my wife more than anyone else in the entire world. And when I address her, I do not address her by calling her uh, something like, Hey, Dr. Bunch, how are you today? You know? And I don't address her by going, Hey, wife! You know? And I don't address her by going, Hey, mother of my children! You know? That is not the way I do it. I don't even call her Jennifer or Jen or Jenny. But when I'm actually kind of having a moment where I'm very private and connected with her, I use a special name. And so when it came to sending the flowers to her on Valentine's Day, I always have to spell the name because the way you think it should be spelled, it is not spelled that way. And the name that I have for my wife is Baby. Okay? Now, it is not B-A-B-Y. Rather, it is B-A-B-I-E. Okay? Now, some of you might be sitting there going, well, okay, what's that about? 
When we first started dating, I didn't know how to spell baby the right way. True story. And so I spelled it like that. And she thought it was like romantic and like I was doing this wonderful thing. And so for the last 25 years, I've had to spell baby. B-A-B-I-E every time. You know, when I pray, when you pray, our Father, I remember that God never says, what do you want now? God never is like, again, you're saying this again? What do you want? But when I pray to our Father, when I address Him that way, I realize that I'm His child, that I am special, that I am one of a kind. But I also remember that he has other children. And I'm not any more special than any of the others. You see, every single human being is loved by the heart of God. And because of that, Jesus says you can address him as our Father. Now, when we say our Father, uh, it's interesting because Jesus, in a real way, is saying it's not just my Father... I'm sharing him. Anyone that wants to be a part of his family can be a part of this as well. It is our Father. And this R is so important because it reminds us that regardless of who your heavenly, or regardless of who your earthly father was, no matter how they treated you or how they acted, there is a heavenly Father who cares for you, who loves you, who watches over you, who accepts you as is, and who is always, always for you. Now, it begins by saying, our Father in heaven. And then uh, the Greek phrase, though, actually is our Father in the heavens. And it's plural for a particular reason. It's not heaven, but heavens. You see, in the ancient world, what they understood is that there were multiple heavens. There was the atmosphere that was way up there that was very, very far. All those people on the balcony, it's way beyond you, okay? But it's way up there and you can't see it. And then they believed that there was the sky that you could actually see, but then they actually believed that just like air, God was present and as close as your next breath. And so you must recognize that when you address our Father, you're not talking about some distant creature that's far away, but it's actually as close as your next breath. He's as close to the air that you breathe. And so when you pray, our Father in heaven, you're not talking about this distant God, but you're talking about as close as the air that you breathe. Well, the prayer goes on to say these words. It says, Our Father in heaven, we sang it today, hallowed be your name. Now, that word hallowed, think about that. You use that in regular, uh, everyday kind of English? No, you don't. No, no one talks about what is hallowed. And I think there's a reason why that is, is because this word actually means holy or set apart. God's name, folks, is one of a kind. Your father, my father, is a one-of-the-kind kind of name. It's to be revered. It's to be holy. It's to be honored. And so when you come to the father and you say, hey, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What you're saying is that your reputation is greater than any other. May people come to realize that you are wonderful just the way that you are. May you be adored. May you be worshipped. May your name be praised above every name. Folks, when we worship God, it is not because he needs a self-esteem boost. He's not like, hey, hey, I need this from you. That's not what it's about. But when we see something that we love, we can't help but praise it. It's just our natural desire to praise anything that we find great love in. For example, uh, some of you might be big basketball uh, fans, and whatever your favorite team is, whether it's IU, Purdue, or if you're a Pacers fan, if they won the national championship or they won the NBA championship, and all of a sudden they're celebrating, they're like, you can't cheer. You just can't cheer. Some of you couldn't handle it. You would want to be able to celebrate because that's your team. Folks, when something is worthy of praise, part of our joy is to actually be able to praise it. On Valentine's Day, I took my wife to the melting pot down in Indianapolis, and I said, hey, I'll pick you up. And so I came to our house, and I pulled in, and she walked out, and she looked hot. I mean, I was like, "Woo, two kids, and she still got it, you know? And she walked out, and I'm like, you look so amazing. I mean, and in my mind, I'm thinking, what is, what's she doing with a dope like me, you know? And I'm sure she wonders that as well. But anyway, you know, all enjoyment kind of overflows into praise. I mean, when a spouse loves another spouse, they praise them. Uh, they praise maybe a child or a parent uh, praise, praises a child or a, a child lifts up a parent. There's the times that we praise the team that we might be part of. There might be a praise for the weather that's outside, or food, or flowers, or books, or sunsets, or even puppies, some of you praise. You see, folks, praise is inner health made audible. Praise is inner health that we can't but make it audible. G.K. Chesterton, who was a great theologian and writer, said this, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought, and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. The worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has no one to thank. Folks, God is worthy of your praise. And when God is fully cherished, our hearts become fuller, our soul becomes healthier, and we're at home. We were made to praise. We were made to be able to say, Hallowed be your name. Well, the prayer goes on to say this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Let me ask you a question here real quick. If you dozed off, come back to me, okay? Uh, Here's the question. Has there ever been a time in which you have been praying, just, uh, just once in your life, where you've been praying that your mind has wandered? Just raise your hand if that's ever happened to you before. Okay, uh, put your hands down. 
Uh, those who did not raise their hands, what do we call them? You're liars, yeah. You're a liar. Because every single person has ever prayed has had that moment before. For example, uh, you know, I'll be there with great intention to want to be praying. And I may even be praying for another person. And I might pray something like, God, would you do a miracle in Joe's life? We need it. God, do a miracle in his life. And then all of a sudden, my brain will go, miracle. Miracle whip. I need a sandwich right now. I'm hungry. Maybe I could go get a sandwich with miracle whip. What am I even doing now, you know? And then other times I'll go out in nature because I'll try to focus in, you know, on uh, God's creation, and I'll be there, and I'll be all focused. I'm looking out my window, and we have squirrels in our backyard. And all of a sudden, it's like, squirrel? And then I'll just look at it, and I'll be, I wonder what it's like to be a squirrel. And then all of a sudden, they'll eat a nut, and I'll be like, nut. Oh, I love nuts. Peanuts. Planters. Wait, my daughter's allergic to nuts. I can't have nuts, and then, you know... I get nuts in the midst of that, you know. I mean, I don't know why it is, but folks, that's why prayer, to me, is often so hard. My mind can jump to almost anything. I mean, I cannot treat my thoughts to dwell on what it is that truly matters most if I just let them ramble around. I mean, when I'm praying, if I'm not focused in on certain things, I have like ADD going on all the time. And then what my default is when that happens is I typically go to worry. I don't know why that is, but many times when I'm praying, I'll then find myself to start worrying. It might be about my girls, it might be about my parents, it might be about my problems. So folks, I'm telling you, I need this part of this prayer, so important that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's kind of like if you've ever gone to the mall before, and you get to the mall, and they usually have one of these little map stands. And it's like it, there's a, usually a star, and it'll say, you are here. And this part of this prayer is so important for me that I've got to be focused in This is where I must remember I am right now. I'm not praying my worries. I'm praying to the God of the universe. And I'm saying, your kingdom come. You know, I'm not located mainly in my problems. I'm not located mainly in my stress or my worries. I'm not located necessarily in my guilt or my sin. Rather, I'm located in the kingdom of God in this moment. And God has made me alive And I'm alive to pray and to be open to Him. I am who I am because that's God's will. And I want to be a part of His great project. That your will be done on earth. That your your will would be done here in our state, in our county, in our city, in our neighborhood, in my workplace. I pray this prayer many times throughout the day. When I got up this morning, I started 
praying for the different churches every morning. I pray for all the churches that I drive by. And I go, God, would it be at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church today as it is in heaven? And I'll go to the next one and I'll say the same thing. And when I got up this morning and I was praying for you guys, I actually said, God, may it be at the jar today as it is in heaven. Sometimes when I look at our city, I pray, God, may it be in Muncie as it is in heaven. May what is up in heaven, God, come down here to earth. And when this happens, it always leads me to a prayer of surrender. God, your will be done. May your will be done in my body. May your will be done in my mind. May your will be done in my heart. May your will be done in every word that I say, in every thought that I have. God, may your will be done this day. May it be a moment where heaven actually comes to earth. And then Jesus teaches on and he says these words, Give us today our daily bread. He says, Give us today our provision. You know, one way that uh, I typically go through the needs of my day is I'll wake up and then when I get to my prayer time, I'll pull out my phone and I'll just look at my calendar. And I'll scroll through it and I'll start praying, God, would you be with me today as I'm in this meeting? Would you be with me today as I talk to this person? God, would you help me with this? God, would you help me be a good listener in this situation? God, would you give me energy to be able to make it through that particular struggle? God, be with me as I visit this person who's in the hospital. Just give me today, God, what I need for today. And folks, it's so important that you realize that what we're asking for is just daily bread, provision and answers and strength just for today. It's not, God, give me everything that I need bread-wise for the next year. It's simply saying, God, give me what I need today. Uh, Just for a moment, and those of you in the balcony, if you took a nap, come back with me, okay, just for a second. Uh, I'd like you to imagine that you're a parent of small children, okay? Some of you are a parent of a small child right now, and you're like, I don't want to have that. That's not, a, that's not a good thing to imagine, okay? Well, just deal with it. So what I'd like you to do is to imagine you're a parent of a small child uh, or children, and they come downstairs, and you get the breakfast table ready, and you get all their cereal together, and one of your uh, children actually pull out the Fruit Loops, and they pour the cereal in their bowl, but they only pour it halfway up, and then they go to the pantry, they get out a little, uh, you know, uh, snack, little plastic bag, and they go and they take the rest of what they were going to put in their bowl, and they put it in that snack bag, and they put it in their pocket. Now, you probably would look at that and go, that's kind of weird, and then you'd say, hey, what are you doing? And let's just imagine that your child said, well, I wasn't sure that you would feed us tomorrow, and so I'm just making sure that I have enough for today. Now, if that happened to you, I guarantee this is what you would say. Hey, tomorrow's not your job. Tomorrow is my job. You just worry about today. You be the kid you are today. And you receive everything that I give you. 
You see, folks, when I worry, when you worry, it's always about tomorrow. It's always about the future. But what I found through this prayer is that if I can get to the moment that the only thing that I'm focusing on is right now in this moment today, if I just focus on it with God in this moment, then I can live it to the fullest. And you're able to pray, God, give us today our daily bread. It's to be able to say that today, give me the wisdom that I need. Give me the patience I need today. Give me the peace I need today. Give me the joy I need today. Love for today. Kindness for today. Folks, tomorrow will come tomorrow. But God says, give me what I need for today, Jesus says when you pray. Then the prayer goes on to say these words, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. There's a uh, great Christian writer, and uh, he gives us a quote named Neil Plantin. Plant. See, I tried this five times today, and I still messed it up. Plantiga, and this is what he says. Recalling and confessing our sin is like taking out the garbage. Once is not enough. Once is not enough. You know, people will often come up to me and they'll go, hey, how often should I confess my sin? And my response is always the same. Well, how often do you sin? After the holidays, I started to notice that our youngest daughter, uh, Shiloh, kind of got in a rut of actually kind of still being on holiday time and just kind of going through... uh, the morning process any way she wanted. And her mom and I would get on her and try to tell her, come on, come on, you got to come. And she would just kind of do her own thing. And she knows that if we don't leave by 7.50 from our house, uh, it's not going to be helpful. And so one particular morning, it was not 7.50, but it was 7.51. And then the next day, it was 7.52. And the next day, 7.53, 54. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so eventually it got to 7.55 and she walks down the stairs like the Queen of Sheba. Not in a hurry, not worried about anything, and she wants her chariot driver to be ready to go. And when she walked down, I said, sis, I've told you. I know, Dad. And I said, well, if you are tardy today, I want you to know I'm not driving like a maniac to try to get you there. And she goes, okay. And so I'm driving like a maniac because I don't want her to be tardy. But we get to the point where there is a train. Like that never happens to you in Muncie, right? You never never hit a train. And we get to this train. I'm like, well, I, I know this other way we can go. And so I go a different way. And we get there. And she always wants me to walk up uh, with her and hold her hand. That's why she's my favorite daughter because she still lets me hold her hand. And so I walk up with her to hold her hand, and we get there, and the door's locked. And when the door's locked, you have to push this little button that lets them open the door for you. And she pushes the button, and they open the door, and she goes, Dad, aren't you going to come in? Because typically I always go in, give her a hug, say, hey, I love you, and go on. I say, I love you, but I'm not the one who's tardy. You are. And I turned around, and I walked out. Well, later that night, uh, after dinner, uh, I just asked her a question. I said, hey, Uh, did you get a tardy slip today? And this was her response. 
that. And she ran out of the room. She's crying. She's carrying on, all that kind of stuff. And I've learned to just let that kind of go. And then eventually she comes back into the room, but she's behind me. I'm looking at the television. She comes in behind me, so I put it on mute, and I hear her, and she's... And I said, sis, come here, let's talk about this. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad. And then all of a sudden, from behind me, I hear her say this. I can't. I don't want you to look at me. I said, what? She's like, just don't look at me. Now, here's the point. Every time that you and I sin against God, this is what we basically say to God. God, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me when I get angry. Don't look at me when I continue my addiction. Don't look at me when I gossip. Don't look at me when I say this. Don't look at me when I say that. Don't look at me at what I just text someone. Don't look at me at what I just put on Facebook. Don't look at me, God. God, just don't look at me. Folks, doing wrong always requires that we put God out of our mind. Every time you sin, every time I sin, basically what we're saying is, God, I don't want you around. God, don't look at me. That's why we daily need to pray, forgive us our debts. I've shared with this, uh, this with you before, but one of my disciplines I have in the morning when I'm doing my prayer time, is I pull out my journal and I go, God, is there anything in the last 24 hours that I have sinned against you? Did I say an unkind word? Was I, un- was I selfish? Was I dishonest? Was I not a good leader? Where do I need forgiveness, God? Where do I need to make amends with what that is? And many times I know exactly where my sin is, and sometimes I'm not so sure, and then God highlights what it is. And then I'll say, God, will you forgive me? God, will you show me mercy? Well, the prayer goes on to say this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors or our sins. Those who sinned against us. Now next week we're going to talk about something that I'm telling you. You should already say you're going to be here. Because some of you struggle with this a lot. And it's the issue of forgiveness. How do I forgive somebody else? But for today, all I want to say is this. It is psychologically impossible for us to have a soft heart toward God and a hard heart toward other people. It's impossible for you to have a soft heart towards God. God, I'll receive your forgiveness. I'll get whatever. And then have a hard heart towards other people. In fact, I have a feeling that I know a prayer that you guys have never prayed before. Here's the prayer. God, help me to hold this grudge against my coworker. God, just allow me to be Bitter, and let me show superiority toward them. Help me to hold this grudge against my spouse, against my parents, against my kids. 
You see, any time, folks, that you are holding a grudge and you're indulging in bitterness, basically what's happening is you are saying, God, don't look at me right now. Just don't look at me. I can't say, God, forgive me, forgive me, give me all this forgiveness, and yet at the same point, I choose not to forgive or give anyone else around me a pass. Receiving and offering forgiveness, folks, are inseparable. They are always tied together. Well, the next phrase goes on to say, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here is where you're constantly saying, God, keep me from falling into my worst self. Give me strength not to fall into this destructive behavior or this pattern. Because I know, left on my own, without you, without me coming to you, I will always choose that other road. I found this prayer uh, several years ago uh, when, it, when I was uh, teaching on temptation. And uh, for those of you who struggle with temptation, which we all do, uh, the prayer goes like this. Dear God, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my anger, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few moments, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of your help. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, somebody is going to lead your life. Somebody is going to lead my life. So if it isn't God, then who is it going to be? A few weeks ago, I was uh, heading to my daughter's swim meet when all of a sudden one of these came crashing down in front of me. Again, we don't have crossing bars in Muncie that ever do this, right? And it's like blinking red and it's all there, but I'm sitting here and I'm starting to get frustrated because there's no train going by. It's just the crossing bar down And I'm here, and there's cars behind me, so I can't move around, and I'm getting frustrated. First of all, I start getting mad at all of the railroad workers, which one of my good friends is one. His name's John. And I start, not cussing John out, but I start having favorite words for John. And then all of a sudden, my frustration gets bigger and bigger. And now I'm getting mad at the person who was at the office, who, as I'm walking out the door, is talking to me and made me leave a little bit later. Then I'm starting to get frustrated that I was a timer at this swim meet, and they're counting on me to be there, and I'm not going to be there. And most of all, I was mostly nervous because my wife, if she finds out I'm late to be the timer, woo! It's going to be a lot of babies I'm going to have to write. That's all I'm saying. And finally, I was upset because I feared I was going to lose the opportunity to see Jordan swim. And I was mad because I should have left earlier. It was my fault. And so I'm here and I'm frustrated about all this. I'm behind the wheel. Here's this crossbar just down, blinking red. When all of a sudden I get this prompting from the Spirit 
you could pray. I'm kind of like, God. You're all much more holy than I am. So, uh. so all of a sudden, I start praying. And I was thinking about this prayer, and I was like, all right, I'm going to pray it. Lord, may you deliver me to get across these tracks so I can get to my daughter swimming. And I said, amen. I opened up my eyes. No kidding, folks. All of a sudden, the bar comes straight up. I drive across. I get to the other side. I stop at a stoplight. I look in my rearview mirror. The bar actually goes back down, and a train goes by. Now, I don't know if it's coincidence, because I talked to my buddy John. He's like, well, sometimes if you go up slow, they come down and... The train uh, conductor will just wait there. I don't know what it was, but this is what I know. As I left that moment, I started thinking to myself, how many times throughout my day when temptation comes to me do I not pray? How many times in my life do I not pray, God, deliver me from this temptation? How often... Do I not pray, God, deliver me from this anger? How often do I say, God, deliver me from this fear? How often do I not pray, God, deliver me from this crazy situation? How many times do I not say, God, deliver me from what I'm going through? Folks, this is what I want you to know. God has the power to pull up any crossbar that you're facing right now. He simply says... Will you pray? And he's saying from heaven, just ask me. Just ask. And I will lead you. I will deliver you. God, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Well, if you were to look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 13, what you would notice is that actually the prayer ends right here. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. But later on, Jesus' followers actually came and they looked at this prayer and they added to it these words right here that will come on the screen. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom. It's your kingdom, God. It's not mine. And yours is the power. Power is not in how much money you make. Power is not in the house that you live in. Power is not in your education. All power is from your heavenly Father. And all the power belongs to Him. And I think for most of us, when we get to this prayer, we're like, okay, I'm good with that. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Glory? I want some of the glory myself, God. I want a little bit of the glory myself. I want people to notice me. I want them to affirm me. I need a little bit of glory. God, I do a lot of good stuff. God, would you recognize me? Give me the credit. And Jesus looks at you and he looks at me during these times. And this is what he says very boldly. Forget you. Because the glory for us is never about you. The 
glory is never about me. The glory is only and always about the one who is above all other names. Jesus Christ. So here's how we're going to close today. I want to give you a moment right now to just kind of clear your mind. And we're going to bring the lights down so that you have a moment. And as much as you can, if you can try not to move around and touch, you got to get all that out of you, do it now. Put down your drinks, whatever it is. And I want to give you a moment to simply surrender everything you have in your mind right now to God. What you have to do this afternoon, what you have to do tomorrow, what you have to do this week. And that you would give God and say, God, here's all my problems, here's my struggles, here's my worries. I don't want to focus on anything else except simply being in your presence right now. And if it helps you at all, one of the things that I often do when I'm praying is I'll simply hold my hands out like this, trying to call myself, God, I'm just here to be with you. Nothing else matters except you being with the one who knows you best and loves you most. So the way we're going to enter into this presence right now is being with God pray out loud together, all of us, the Lord's Prayer, all the way through. And then I just want to give you a moment to be with your Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.